we're in the season of Thanksgiving, and so I just felt like we need to keep talking about it. Uh, you can never talk enough about Thanksgiving. You can never give thanks enough, is what I mean. You can never give thanks enough. I think heaven is going to be full of saying thank you. So today we're just going to continue some thoughts from last Sunday on generosity, generosity releasing power into our lives. When you're generous, when you're generous, you release the power of the Holy Spirit. We defeat the devil by being generous. Uh, somebody once uh, told the story of, of uh, this is church on the way in, in California. They were wanting to build a new building. They had a campus already and they needed another one because there were too many people. And so they had a Sunday where people would bring their offering up. Everybody knew about it. It was planned ahead of time. And people just kept coming and bringing gifts. They wanted to pay it pay it before they wouldn't didn't want to have to take out a loan. So they had planned for it. And all the people and the people lined up for a long way. And people just kept bringing money, kept bringing money, kept bringing money. And a pastor who was there said he heard the devil's voice say, you're killing me with all this giving. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's a good that's a good statement. I'd like us to be that kind of church that the devil's going, you're wearying me. You're killing me with all this generosity. It's spiritual warfare. When you give your offering, it's spiritual warfare. When you tithe, it's a victory for God. Generosity releases power into your life and in others. <coughs> and by it, you shape history. We affect history by our giving. You change people's lives. I know my life has been changed by people's generosity to me. I've been able to do things I couldn't have done without people's generosity, missions, things like that. Giving thanks is a similar deal. It puts you and me on a road to victory, spiritual victory. By giving thanks, we overcome the most difficult, sorrow-filled times of our lives. The giving of thanks opens the gate to breakthrough we otherwise never would have had. Can anybody say amen? Let's be people who give thanks. So <clears throat> one of the slides I shared from last week is this, giving thanks by generous giving. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. If you believe that verse, you're going to become a giver. You're like, well, I need to increase. I, I want to give more so that I can give more. See, that's how it works. The more you give, the more you're able to give. And I want for all of us, myself included, to be that kind of givers. I want us to be givers who are daring the edge of existence by giving. <laughs> by giving so much that it, it overwhelms us as we give. I love, I've shared this last week. Um, Lori told me about her friend named Shirley, who one summer dared God, oh, a whole year, a whole year, wanted to out, see if she could outgive God. Everything she received, she gave away. And at the end of the year, she had more than she started with because she kept giving, kept giving, kept giving. I love that testimony. That's a strong one. And that just shows God's graciousness. And it shows the truth of this verse. But we're all too timid to try it. I know I'm kind of timid sometimes about it. Like, we got stuff we got to save for and bills we got to pay. But if we just, in defiance of the fear, begin to give and not be stingy, God's going to be gracious to us. So our giving, next slide, should be sacrificial. 
Our giving should be sacrificial. We shouldn't just give on the excess, and who has excess anyway, right? I don't have a whole lot of extra, and you don't either. Our giving should be sacrificial. And I've heard, you know, Christian teachers throughout the centuries have said, you've got to give until it hurts. Then you know you're giving. And in our giving, we should give to the point where it changes not just somebody else's life, but our life. Our lives are changed by our generosity. You see, when we give generously, we, we're taking the treasure that we wanted to hold on to, and we're starting to release it into the kingdom. And you know what the Bible says about treasure? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to go. So you give it away, then your heart's going to go too. And your heart's going to be in the ministry, and your heart's going to be in heaven and the kingdom. That's the right place. We don't want to be people who give stingily, and we don't want to be people who give by being forced to give. It should come generously, joyfully, out of generous hearts. Don't be stuck in fear. Let's assault the fear with generosity. Amen? We must come, next slide, we must come to realize that we only have what we have because of the overwhelming generosity of God. If we understand that, then we don't need to fear to give. If we know God has given us so much, God has given and He keeps giving and He doesn't stop giving, then there's no way to stop. For us to to stop. He's like given us so much so that we can open up the gate and begin to flow in our own generosity. Okay, next slide I think is a challenge. If you're not giving to God, then I don't think you understand God's grace to you. If you're holding on to your tithe and you're refusing to give your 10%, then you haven't understood God's grace. And God isn't going to say, okay, let me just give you an overflow and an abundance so that you can start tithing. He doesn't do that because he requires the step of faith. You've got to do it. You've got to say, okay, here we go. Uh There was a step there I could stand. You know, he wants you to step out in faith and give. And we heard some testimonies last week of people who, who understood that and who shared that with us. And I give praise to God. Here's the slide. I said this a little earlier. Do not store up treasure on this earth for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Seems like God's asking a lot of us, isn't he? He wants us to give and he wants us to give till it hurts and he wants us to give generously. He also wants us to give joyfully. Don't be all sorrowful while you give. Oh, here's God's rent this month. Don't do that. Do it with joy. Do it with joy. Say, I'm so glad I get to give to him. Give praise while you write out that check or you put that money in the offering plate. Or now you can give online, you know. So just have a, you can do in the privacy of your home, do a little dance while you press the donate button and let it go out of your bank account into uh, into the church's funds. Praise, praise the Lord. Now, Feast, I was supposed to call you yesterday and I didn't do it. Uh, but I'm going to ask you to come up right now. And I want you to give a little word on where your giving should go. You and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to also ask you this afternoon, where should we give our money, and how should we know where to give it? Okay, so first of all, according to the Bible, we give where we are being uh, fed. fed. Yeah, so um, it's like exactly what happened in, in our homes. You can't be giving your money to another home, 
but heating to another home, it will create a problem. So I'm saying this because we have a very serious problem, especially with people who are coming from uh, out of United States. Uh, some of the people, when they are here, they, they're still being members of their churches back home. And it's like when it's time for tithe and other things, they are sending that money back there. It doesn't work that way. So uh, the problem is maybe how to, to name everything we are doing. We have tithe, we have offerings, and we have uh, yes. uh, love offerings, you see? Mm-hmm. Uh, we call it in French, omon. I don't know if you, you have that I word. I don't know that word. So no. it's like, you know, like the money we're giving to these homeless people who are skiing on the road, you can't call that offering. No, that's not offering. That is just uh, a gift. You're a just love giving, gift. love mm-hmm. gift, you see? And But uh, especially for people, for my brothers and sisters who are coming from, from Africa and Asia, we must understand that when, when you just come and arrive here, you found a church, you are a member of that church, and that is your church now. And the person in front of you teaching you, that is your pastor now. The other one, he's a pastor, but he doesn't deserve to, to receive your tithe and everything. No. So anything you are sending there, it's just a love offering. You're just sending to them. Sometimes, even me, I'm receiving calls from the churches there. They're like, oh, no, we are building something. We need your help. I can't take my tithe and send there. No. My tithe must be here at Light of the Nation because here I'm being fed. So that's a serious point. And I think in the afternoon we're going to really explain this mm-hmm. to the people mm-hmm. to understand whenever you are sending that money there, don't call it tithe. Because there are other people when you ask them, are you tithing? You say, yes, I do. Every month I'm sending my money to a mm-hmm. No, it doesn't work that way. Because if we do that, this home will miss food. But the Bible says, bring your offering and your tithe, so that we may not lack anything in the story of the home of God. So we want to keep this very, very uh, complete, if I can call it like that, <laughs> very complete, uh, so that the other people there, I'm not discouraging people to send money there. I do too. But anything we send there, we shouldn't call it tithe. No. It's a serious point. We need to correct that. And people must understand that. Where you are being fed, that's where you must give right. your money. Right. I think it's something, there's not many people here from out there. So I think <laughs> in the afternoon, I will yeah. really explain this. But, but even here, we can see other people at another church. And when they change churches, they are to here at Light of the Nation. But they keep on sending their yeah, money to the other church. It doesn't work that way, you see. That's why you see in churches we have so many problems because people are uh, are trying to, to to explain to themselves the Bible in their own way. Mm. So they're like, no, but I'm still giving. No, even when you're giving the tithe, I had this problem with my wife. Uh, I said, no, you know, whenever we are giving tithe, because we are putting all the money together, the offering and the tithe, we give it one time. But it's very good to mention the tithe this much, offering this much. It's helping. For you to make your calculation very, because people are stealing from God that way. Mm. You just come and bring the tithe and say, even the offering is inside there. No. <laughs> tithe is something else. Offering is something else. Yeah. But giving to God, it's something good. It's always good to do that. Thank Amen. you, sir. Thank you, Feast, for sharing that. And this was a dry run for this afternoon because we do, we do want to, we do want to, to make that clear because we should all give tithe. 
And then the offerings, it's, that's our opportunity. That's above the tithe. That's our opportunity to sow generously. You know, tithe is your baseline. That's the beginning. That's your rent. That's the air you breathe and the sunshine you get. That's, that's, that's a must. It's a bill. And it should be the first bill you pay, right? It should be the first bill you pay because if you don't pay your tithe first, it's not going to be there at the end of the month. You say, well, I'll see what happens when, you know, I pay everything and see if anything's left. No. You want to pay your tithe first because, you see, you can do more with the 90% than you can with 100%. That's God's math. Because the 100% comes with a devourer. He chews away the moth and the rust. The 100% comes with a devourer, but you pay that 10% to God, the 90% goes further than the 100%. You try that for three months, and if it doesn't work, come talk to me and I'll pay your bills. How about that? Okay, does that sound good? All right, that's a challenge. I believe it. I believe in God's faithfulness. He will. He will do it. Now, um, I want to shift the, the message now just a little bit into the giving of thanks. It's another way to give, and it's something we have to do. On this next slide, what is God's will for you? What is God's will? And here it is. Boom. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Okay, you don't need to ask God what his will is anymore. This is his will. In each and every circumstance, you give him thanks. Now, I've heard teaching before that we're supposed to give God thanks for every circumstance, and that may or may not be true. You know, I don't want to be the person who's going to give thanks for the cancer. I don't really think that that's true, although I can see it, because, you know, I got my arm cut off when I was 19 years old. And I actually do say thank you to God for the benefits of what came out of that experience. So I can actually say, God, I'm, I'm thankful. I don't, I would not be a pastor here today if I had two good arms. I would be doing other things. I know that's true because I saw the course of my life. Looking back, I can see how I was going. And then I started to have trouble. And it's just like God had this little, um, I'll say a leash on me. And he just said, "Uh uh-uh, we're going this way. And through this, he shaped the direction of my life. And I give him thanks for that because I know I'm so much better off today because of what I went through. And it's made me who I am. And so I give God thanks, but I don't necessarily, I'm going to say to you, you have to give God thanks for every trial that you had. But you are required by this verse to say, in the middle of it, you give him thanks. In the middle of that torment, you give him thanks. Because you see, that's where the victory comes. As you begin to praise him, when you don't feel like it, you get victory. There was a Scottish minister named Alexander White. He was known for his uplifting prayers in the pulpit. He always found something for which to be grateful. One Sunday morning, the weather was so bad, so gloomy, that one church member thought to himself, certainly. The preacher won't think of anything for which to thank the Lord on a wretched day like this. Have any of you been to Scotland? It can be cold and wretched. The weather can be really bad over there. Cold and the kind of cold that makes you just ah, wish you could disappear. So anyway, it was like that this day. And much to his surprise, however, the preacher, Mr. White, began by praying, We thank thee, O God that it is not always like this. (laughs) You know, there's always something we can give 
we can give thanks for. You know, we need to practice thanksgiving because sometimes it just doesn't come naturally to us. We should practice with each other. We should go to Christy and say, Christy, thanks for leading Asante Sana, even though you don't really know Swahili. Thank you for doing that. That was a blessing. And, you know, we need to say thank you to the people around us. Thank you for small acts of kindness to great heroic acts of kindness. We need to thank one another for that. There was a a ministerial student in Evanston, Illinois, who was part of a life-saving squad. In 1860, a ship went aground on the shore of Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan, have any of you been up there? It's cold up there. It's a giant lake. The Indians called it Lake Gichigumi. It's a giant lake, and it's freezing cold. And the, Ar- the Arctic wind comes out down from Canada, blows across that thing, and it's bone chilling. It's probably worse than Scotland. It's so cold up there. The ship wrecked on the side, on the, on some bank of the, of the shore near Evanston. And Edward Spencer, the, the ministerial student, waded out into the water again and again into the frigid waters to rescue 17 passengers. 17 people who would have died if he hadn't have gone out there and rescued them. In the process, his health was terribly damaged. A few years later, he died. He was a young guy, but he died because of uh, his, his rescue efforts. It was noted at the funeral that not one of those 17 passengers ever told him thank you. Mm, that's a tragedy. That should never have happened. Those folks owed him their life and they never told him thanks. You and I owe our life to Jesus Christ. We should be giving him thanks every single morning, every single midday, every single night. Can I get an amen? Can I get a hey yo? Right on. I like that song. I really love the worship set today. Blessed me. So here's the verse that really tells us how we're supposed to do it. Give thanks in trouble. This is spiritual warfare, church. Though the fig tree should not blossom, So you got this fruit tree out there that's going to provide income for you and there's not any fruit on it. Nor fruit beyond the vines. That's the grapevines. No fruit there. So my fig tree's failing. My vines are failing. The produce of the olive fail. My olive trees are failing. And the fields yield no food. So I'm, I'm a farmer and my four crops, my four things that provide fruit and vegetables are not working. And now my animals, the flock be cut off from the fold, so I don't have any sheep anymore, and there's no cattle in the stalls. Here's what the here's what the man is saying. Even though I've lost all my income, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. That's a statement we need to stand right there. We need to say, even if the income fails me and I'm staring bankruptcy in the face, I'm still gonna rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice. Amen. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. So deer and mountain goats, they're amazing. If you ever see those Discovery Channel things about those guys, they just can climb up a cliff practically, and they're secure. It's really amazing. If I were to try to climb up those cliffs, I would be, my heart would be going, thugga, 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 thugga. I'd be gripping with all my strength. But those deer and those mountain goats, they can just leap, 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 and they're so secure. They never fall. And that's what the God of our salvation gives to us. 
He makes us secure like that. So the point is, even if all the visible things that give you security are gone, yet you make this declaration, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord no matter what. I'm going to give Him praise. I'm going to look at my empty bank statement and I'm going to give Him praise. In defiance of that, in defiance of my trouble, I'm going to give Him praise and I will rejoice in Him because He is my source. Not my figs, not my grapes, not my sheep, not my cattle. None of that is the, is what's going to sustain me. It's God alone. He is my strength. He is my source. Not those people that have, you know, kind of helped me out over my life. They are not my sugar mama, sugar daddy. They are not the ones. It's God Himself. Amen? We have to remember that and we need to have a discipline of giving thanks all the time. There's an old man who, who used to visit an old broken pier on the eastern seacoast of Florida. Every Friday night until his death in 1973, he would go to this pier, walking slowly and slightly stooped with a large bucket of shrimp. He would carry every Friday night bucket of shrimp, and <laughs> the seagulls would come swarming around this guy, and he would feed them from his bucket. He would just throw the shrimp out to the seagulls. And he did that for a specific reason, every Friday night. Many years before, in October 1942, his name was Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. Anybody? You know the story? You know the name? He was on a mission in a B-17 to deliver an important message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. But there was an unexpected detour which would hurl Captain Eddie into the most harrowing adventure of his life. Somewhere over the South Pacific, his flying fortress became lost beyond reach of any radio. Fuel ran out, so the men ditched their plane in the ocean. For nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would fight the water and the weather and the scorching sun. They spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed into their raft. The largest raft was nine feet long by five feet wide. The biggest shark was over 10 feet long. A shark bigger than your boat. <laughs> but, <laughs> but all of their enemies at sea, the one that proved the most formidable and dangerous was starvation. They had no food. Eight days out, their rations were long gone or destroyed by the salt water. It was going to take a miracle to sustain them, and a miracle occurred. Here's what happened. In Captain Eddie's own words, he said, um, the captain of the ship, William Cherry, uh, he read the service that afternoon. They would do devotions. He read the service that afternoon. And we finished with a prayer for deliverance and a hymn of praise. I love that. There was some talk, but it tapered off in the oppressive heat. With my hat pulled down over my eyes to keep out some of the glare, I dozed off. Now, this is still uh, Captain Rickerbucker talking. He says, something landed on my head. I knew that it was a seagull. I don't know how I knew, I just knew. Everybody else knew too. No one said a word. But peering out from under my hat brim without moving my head, I could see the expressions on their faces. They were staring at that gull. The gull meant food, if I could catch it. And the rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the gull... <laughs> Its flesh was eaten. 
Its intestines were used for bait to catch fish. The survivors were sustained and their hopes renewed because of one lone seagull. Uncharacteristically, it was all by itself, hundreds of miles from land. It offered itself as a sacrifice after their evening hymn of praise. Can I get an amen on that one? You know, you know, this is the rest of the story. The man made it. And so now you know that he never forgot. Because every Friday evening about sunset on a lonely stretch of beach on the Florida seacoast, you could see the old man walking, white-haired, bushy eyebrowed, slightly bent. His bucket filled with shrimp was to feed the gulls, to remember that one on a day long ago gave itself up without a struggle, like manna in the wilderness. Now that's a, a moving story to me, to hear about salvation to a whole crew of men, one seagull that gave up its life. Well, you and I have a much bigger story to tell. We have a Savior who gave up his life, and he gave it up so that all of us could be saved. And how this man fed the gulls in thanksgiving to the one gull, you know, for the rest of his life until he died. You and I have a Savior. We are going to give, we should start practicing for heaven now, giving thanks and praise every day. In the middle of our trials, in the middle of our sorrows, in the middle of our frustrations and fights, we need to step aside, get out of that for a minute and say, God, I just want to give you thanks. I can't stand my wife or my husband, but I want to give you thanks. I'm frustrated with my kids and with my problems, but I'm going to give you thanks because you are good. And I'm going to defy those problems, I'm going to defy those problems by giving thanks to God. And that's where the victory is. You see, God has given us a little opening, a roadway to victory out of all of our problems by giving thanks, by stopping to say, praise you, Jesus. That gives you a little drop of victory in the midst of your trouble and sorrow. Praise his name. Amen. Now, I have shared with you that we want to make 2017 a year of having one roof and one service. And to do that, I'm asking both of our groups who meet, both of our gatherings, to start by tithing. And I know in this room, we've got a lot of generosity, and I'm very grateful for that. So in a way, I'm preaching to the choir here. And and I just want to say thank you, God bless you, and keep it up. But if you're being challenged by this message, then I invite you to respond to it by giving generously and to start by giving God thanks. Because that might open the door where you might be afraid to give financially. Start by giving thanks because it opens the door and it says, okay, I can go through that. And then it'll open another door where you can start to give generously. Now, uh, in our meeting with our elders the other day, uh, yesterday, I-, I was encouraged by one of the elders to do a tradition that they do in Africa where at the end of the year, they give out envelopes to the people to give a special offering. And so we're going to hand out, if you guys could help uh, do that, um, hand out, everybody gets, it's they're colorful, they're pretty envelopes. Can some people help Donna pass those out? I want everybody to take one. And these envelopes are for a year-end offering. We're going to have a New Year's Eve service. New Year's Eve, in case you don't know, is December 31st. We're going to have a service where we're going to collect and receive these. We're going to collect and receive these envelopes. 
And we want you to be generous and to give. This is not your tithe. This is just a generous offering that you're going to give. Thank you. That you're going to give. That's, we're going to, it's going to be our seed planting for the one roof, one service plan for 2017. We're going to plant a seed and to get started on collecting for this uh, church that we're looking for. God's going to provide it. God's going to provide it. And you know, God's going to choose you as the means, you and me, all of us. It's how it's going to happen. So this is a bit of a response for the, the message.